Welcome to Once Upon a Disney, an analytical yet fun-loving look at Disney narrative filmography from the 20th century. I'm Indy Redwine, and with me as always is my co-host and professional bouncer, Larry Brenner. How are you, Larry? Andy, I am splendidiferous. <laughs> you sure are. What movie are we doing today? <laughs> well, if that didn't clue you in, that word that means nonsense but sounds like something, we are doing the Tigger movie from the year uh, 2000. Yay. And I'm just going to say this from the outset. You and I have very different feelings about this movie. Very um, and, different. And I'm also going to tell our, our listeners, like, it is impossible for me to be objective about this movie, I've I'll work at this. So when we adopted our kids, this was our go-to movie as an adoptive family to talk about how help kids understand family of choice and how family is the people who love and care for you every day and how, you know, you can you can choose to do the same. And so like we've been we watched this over the weekend and listener I have to tell you, this whole family's been sobbing for three days. <laughs> it's it's very interesting, Andy, because the Brenner family was also crying, but for different reasons. In very, in a very different way, and in a very different context. Um, the, the the consensus at this house is that this movie is terrible, but uh, I I I. Res- I'll respect your feelings if you respect mine, but Fair we will enough. share we will share our philosophies with our with our listeners. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, some key facts to get the stage set here for us. The songs for the Tigger movie were written by Robert and Richard Sherman, and they're the two brothers who literally wrote more musical numbers for film than any other songwriting team in film history. Now, the last Disney movie they worked on was 1971's Bedknobs and Broomsticks. You know, Disney brought them back and thought this would be kind of fun. Well, the Tigger movie was supposed to go direct to video, but the songs were so good that then CEO Michael Eisner prioritized the movie as a feature theatrical release. And it was a smart move. Counterpoint. The songs are not (laughs) are not so good. And this and the moral of this story is sometimes you quit when you're ahead. When 1971, you had bed knobs and broomsticks. That's that's a great that's a great movie to go out on with Disney coming back for the Tigger movie with these. Well, 20, I mean, 29 years later, these guys come up and, and, you know, bring some great songs that I think they're great. And at a 15 million dollar budget, this movie brings in almost 100 million at the box office. And God only knows what it brought in in VHS and DVD sales. And I'm sure probably, you know, a good chunk of that ended up in my house. So very yeah. likely in my house too. I mean, you yeah, know, we believe it or not, we also <laughs> bought Disney DVDs and VHS for some, it turns out we like Disney in this house too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I still have a whole, a whole shelf of that. So, Hey, I've but- got a VHS of the black cauldron. What am I going to do with that, Andy? That's right. So it's 2000. And, you know, by this time, Paul Wenschel was struggling to perform the voice of Tigger as his voice had become more raspy due to age. So voice actor Jim Cummings, who voices Winnie the Pooh uh, at this point, you know, Sterling Holloway is deceased, um, performed both Pooh and Tigger for this feature. But the Disney Imagineers did use Wenchel's voice to do Tigger for the Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh attraction at the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World, which opened a year prior to the release of the Tigger movie. 
Here's something a little heartfelt, Andy. I don't know if this story is true, but but the, uh, allegedly when when Paul Winchell found out he was not going to be performing Tigger in the movie and handed the role over to Jim Cummings, he said, "Please take care of my of my little friend, will will you?" And uh, what what a <laughs> If that story is true, and I believe it, what a, what a delightful way to give permission to the actor to take over the role. Oh my gosh, you're gonna make me cry again. I've already. Don't cried worry, I'm gonna be super today. snarky later. So <laughs> oh, enjoy it. This is a brief, oh, a brief bittersweet moment. <laughs> a brief interlude. Okay, so uh, movie reviews were mixed for this film. I mean, like just like us, right? So yes. a lot of a lot of review, reviewers really appreciated Tigger's Dark Night of the Soul, and they likened it to Gonzo's tough time in Muppets from Space, which we have not talked about, but we shall. We have no. And these Muppets two movies do feel linked in my mind. Even before you you said that, I've always mm-hmm. thought these two movies were kind of the same in that way. Yeah, uh, but there was some sadness that the original actors were no longer voicing characters. Uh, save John Fiedler, who does Piglet. And, uh, you know, and that's kind of a, I think it's a little jarring, but, you know, you get into it. And a little head scratching regarding the Tigger and Rue morph, like mighty, like they have the little Mighty Morphin Power Ranger thing that they do where they shoot through the air. And people were like, what, what is that? That's a little too action packed for the Hundred Acre Wood. However, all of the reviewers I read agreed that this film was perfect for the six and under crowd of kindergartners, preschoolers, and toddlers. So, so it is. yes, no, no, no. And I, I, as a person in the industry, want to re- break a little bit of code. When you say that a film is perfect for the six and under crowd, <laughs> what you're saying is it is dreadful and o- only people <laughs> who are not capable of discerning will appreciate this movie. <laughs> That you're giving permission to you're telling you're telling your, the parents you can put this on in your living room, but feel free to walk away. There's nothing here for you. This will help you get a shower, right? Okay. All right. So, okay. Let's 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 jump into plot here a little bit. Let's do it. And I want to start with the Manish Tana. Now, it is a tradition in the Winnie the Pooh movies, to a degree, that we always start off in that nursery, in Mary Poppins' nursery, as you pointed out. <laughs> yeah. Um, that that we see all of the dolls in the nursery, that we get the sense that we're going to be reading the book. And that happens here. But it happens here with a little bit of a twist. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering what you think of the twist. Why do we start where we start? Uh and and why why do we send up this little this little traditional Winnie the Pooh opening? Well, two things happen. One, the actual plush toys themselves are a little different than the yes. ones we've seen before. And I think that update is really smart because what it tells the listener is this is a little different than what you've seen and it's going to be a little more di- a little different than what you've heard before too. So with the voice changes and this is going to be just a, you know, something to explain. Something, something different is going to happen, um, and then, bam! There's Tigger right in the middle of, <laughs> right in the middle of the big screen, right, and he gets to be ornery. Um, it's and that for me is super fun. I think it's great. So Tigger suddenly shows up, and the first thing he does is he hijacks the movie. Essentially, <laughs> he says, 
He says, is this another Winnie the Pooh movie? How many movies are you going to tell about that bear? Can't there be a movie about me? He jumps into the book. He rearranges the letter, mutates them a little bit until now it's a movie about him. I mean, he pretty much... I, I don't want to say he bullies the narrator because the narrator does not seem to have a problem with Tigger Tigger taking control here. Although that's not how my creative process works, narrator. <laughs> but I, I appreciate that you are a flexible dungeon master who, who listens to your player characters. I, I appreciate that about you. <laughs> um, but it also demonstrates to me a couple of things about Tigger that um, bother me. And, and what, when I say bother me, I think his flaws are on full display here in this yes. in this opening. Winnie the, if Winnie the Pooh found out there was a Tigger movie, he would never in a million years begrudge Tigger his time in the spotlight. But there is something about Tigger that requires attention. And, <laughs> and he is, even before we start the movie, He's already desperate for it, and he's willing yeah. to make choices that aren't, I mean, it's his flaw. He is willing to make choices that get him attention without thinking about whether what he's doing is appropriate to the situation or not. They tell us this without telling us this right up front. And yes. I appreciate that. Absolutely. And I don't know, I don't know that there's another Pooh character, with the exception of possibly Rabbit who you could see trying to hijack the movie in that way. Eeyore wouldn't. Piglet no. wouldn't. It, this is this is really what Tiggers do best, is they hijack attention. Right, and he's happy, and it's clear that he likes himself, and he wants to be liked. Um, I, and I think that's his big, his big thing. That's his big want, right? He's okay. self-absorbed, but he really wants to be liked. Sure, and who, who can't relate to that, particularly Absolutely. if you're a kid? Right? Right, right. All right, so we'll go into structure here. I was so tempted to call, let's say, like, so, Andy, let's talk about the exposition. Um, but it's exposition. I know, I know. You're so tempted. I'll stop making, you tried I, it. <laughs> I, I kind of had it both ways there. That's okay. That's uh, right. <laughs> but the exposition, and I'm gonna, I don't know that I can do this in an unbiased way. We are reintroduced to the Hundred Acre Woods by watching Tigger go from house to house uh, and and interact with character upon character. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know how, any other way to say this, Andy, but this. We see how the, how the characters in the Hundred Acre Wood have been long suffering under, under their knowing of Tigger <laughs> and their encounters with him. Yes. Because he barges into each of their houses and causes problems in all of them. Yes. He barges it. Pooh, and like the first thing I thought was, oh my goodness, Pooh is so depressed to see Tigger at this moment. None of them are really happy to see him, nor should they be. I'm sorry. Well, okay. The nor should they be might be a bridge too far. But P so I, I think I think Tigger has definitely worn out his welcome in yes. the same way that an exasperated parent or exasperated sibling might be like, really, I have to do this. You go bounce somewhere else, right? I have to count honeypots. I have to gather firewood. I really don't want you to solve my problems. 
you're creating more problems instead of solving any. You know, they're they're all and even Kanga's super sweet to him and she says no, but then there's Rue and Rue says yes. Rue and says yes, but Tigger doesn't hear him. No, because there's something about that relationship that I don't think Tigger quite understands. I don't think he understands what it's I think he needs a mentor, but he doesn't understand what it's like to be one or that somebody would actually have him as one. Right. So he does his his Tigger shtick. He, you know, breaks honey pots in Pooh's house. He purposely throws Piglet's furniture into the fireplace. There's your firewood, Piglet. You know what he does at Rabbit's house. Um, he destroys Eeyore's house, uh, which is a fairly regular occurrence in the Hundred Acre Woods. I mean, uh, he, and, and that boulder was, he didn't mean to kick over the boulder and have it crash down. I mean, he, he didn't, bounced off he of it. He didn't mean went. to. He also does not take responsibility of that it not. was clearly his fault that Eeyore's house is destroyed. Um and and as he does this, and as he goes from place to place, it, we check in with all of the characters. But we do see that whether Tigger is aware of it or not, there is a problem, and it is weighing over the other characters. Mm-hmm. With the exception, as you pointed out, of Rue. What would you say the inciting incident of this movie is? I think the movie wants us to think that the boulder landing on Eeyore's house is the inciting incident by how they show it on the page and turn the page. And this is the start of a really horrible day, right? Um, But I really think the inciting incident of this movie is Tigger realizing that there could be people other than him that are like him. Um, I say people, the other Tiggers, right? So, so I'll, 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 I'll throw a little thing on here because I I do think you're right. I don't really th- look. Eeyore's house gets destroyed seven days a week. That is just it is not right. that strong of a house, and no. that it just is what it is. Right. The real thing here is that Tigger has looked for someone to bounce with him, and has not found anyone who's willing to bounce with him, except Andy. What we know and that. Tigger apparently doesn't, is Rue is happy to bounce with him. There is no problem. Tigger is making making something up. He's, he's causing a problem for himself by ignoring mm. the fact that the thing that he wants is already there. Mm-hmm. And, and the inciting incident is Tigger forgets that he has a friend who don't, wants all the same things that he has and that therefore causes him to feel lonely. All right, right. Is that is that fair? No, I think it's super fair. I, I think that's a great read. I think again and again, what we're going to see here is, you know, I often complain when my students watch a movie and they say the here the protagonist is also the antagonist of the movie. Mm-hmm. Because what, what they're generally talking about is how um, you know, a character. Uh, is at war with themselves. Mm-hmm. In and and that's true of any protagonist, right? All protagonists struggle. We don't want to watch a movie where a protagonist doesn't struggle and grow and come to grips with themselves. Right. In this instance, I would give them full credit if they said Tigger is the antagonist of his own movie because every problem that he deals with 
is a problem he made up for himself to solve. Tigger's problem is Tigger causes problems for Tigger. Yeah. And and I don't I don't necessarily find that sympathetic. But on the other hand, I would say that that is true of several people who I know (laughs) um, that their problem is that they make problems for themselves. So maybe truthful. So that's the inciting incident. And, And then we get to the rising action. So Tigger is lonely and he decides to go to. Lord help me, Owl's house. Because, you know, if there's one thing Owl's good at, it's it's solving problems and being uh, a good listener. I mean, they all think he's wise. And, the, you know, the irony is Owl is not wise at all. Owl Owl is not wise. <laughs> and, and Rabbit knows it. And I know it. And I feel like we're the only ones. <laughs> but I will put that aside. Yes. At Owl's house, Owl talks about... Owl clearly decides that when someone is lonely, what you do is you talk about your your huge extended loving family and how loved you feel and how connected you are to thousands of other owls throughout the world. Yeah. Because, because you know, because Owl likes to help, he does. And yeah. Tigger decides that what he wants is a family tree like Owl, except Tigger decides that when Owl's talking about a family tree, he's talking about a literal tree where Tiggers live. Right. And Tigger decides he's going to set out to find his family tree, but he can't find his family tree. And then he decides he's going to send a letter uh, to his family, but he doesn't know where his family is, and to be honest, we get into some murky stuff about what Tigger thinks, like what Tigger act. So Tigger makes stuff up and yes. then believes it. Yes. So I, I I need to just pull a pull a point apart from the plot for a second here, Andy, to yes. digress on this. Yes. The movie knows that Winnie the Pooh and his friends are Christopher Robin's toys. Right. It knows that. We see very early on Pooh like gets a stitch undone and some fluff comes out. Right. They're toys. Tigger. So so some of them have been invested with a backstory by Christopher Robin. Mm-hmm. Um, but none of it's true. Like Piglet has his grand great grandfather, Trespassers Will, be because that's clearly a sign that says trail trespassers will be prosecuted where stuff has been broken off. But Christopher mm-hmm. Robin decided that that's Trespassers Will, uh, Piglet's great great grandfather, and that's part of Piglet's backstory. Right. To my knowledge, Pooh has no family or backstory. Eeyore has no uh, family or backstory. Kanga and Roo have each other. But I do not think there is a father that either of them remember or has ever existed. Owl is a liar who says that there's like a million relations to him. And Rabbit canonically has like friends and relations somewhere. Uh, he, he does seem to have some pictures on the wall of, of right. other rabbits out there. But it's all it's all backstory because they're toys. Tigger doesn't. Rem- I mean, none of us remember being born. But Tigger, Tigger, Tigger doesn't remember the family. 
that he makes up and invents for himself in this moment. And he doesn't, so he writes a letter, what does he do? He attaches it to a balloon and he sends it out into the world because that'll work. And then he gets sad that he doesn't get a response from his family. Okay. Tigger is a prime example of when we talk about babies and toddlers, we talk about magical thinking. Yes. Magical thinking is very infantile, it's very juvenile, but it is also very, very real. And so kids can talk about things and make things up and connect dots that were never meant to be connected. And I think Tigger is a prime example of this, especially when he's looking around and going, I bounce all the time and nobody else else bounces. You know, I want someone like myself. I but, want someone but he like me. Has it, Andy? Root bounces all the time too. He just <laughs> he just doesn't want to see it because he wants to have this problem. Well, Root Root says to him repeatedly, "I want to bounce with you, Tigger." And Tigger's like, "Well, you're a little short on the perpendicular level." Because he's level. a baby, right? Because he doesn't see them as equals. He sees them as he's kind of that one up. It's kind of like asking the five-year-old to play with the three-year-old when the five-year-old feels like they've got more going on, you know? Rue has a lot more maturity emotionally than Tigger 100%. 100%. But Tigger Tigger is who he is. Tigger is so lucky to... Okay, anyway, we'll get to it. I'll I'll go back to plot and rising action. Okay, okay. Rue being infinitely more mature and worldly (laughs) and wiser uh, than Tigger... No and there. saying to Kanga, I wish Tigger could be my big brother, mm-hmm. which, like, you know, really underscores the fact that Tigger does not have a problem in terms of having a family. It's there. Um, Rue decides that Tigger, because Tigger is heartbroken, he hasn't got a response, that they're going to write a letter to Tigger from Tigger's family. Right. And so Tigger enlists Pooh and Piglet in in his scheme, and Eeyore, and they all go to see Owl, which is where all problems go to be made worse. Um, And Owl obligingly writes the letter. And I want to point out, Rabbit's hands are clean of this. They make the point that Rabbit is busy dealing with the real person who has a problem. Eeyore doesn't have a house. And while Rabbit may not be successful in, in... in doing everything he needs to do for Eeyore, Rabbit is He's dealing trying. with something real. So they send the letter to Tigger. And it looks great. Tigger's so happy to have gotten a letter from his family, especially now that winter is coming um, and whatever. Um, and then he decides that even though the letter doesn't say that the other Tiggers are coming, he says they're coming tomorrow. And everybody says, where does it say that in the letter? And Tigger says, you have to read in between the lines. There are zero clues that Tigger's family is coming tomorrow. Tigger just decided it and also decided he will be heartbroken if the other Tiggers don't come. I feel like this is a nod to the parents in the audience whose little children decide that something's going to happen on their timetable and then they get really excited about it and it doesn't happen and they're inconsolable and there it is. So that's how I feel about this deal. (laughs) 
<laughs> and yes, and the right thing to do in that situation, Andy, is to let your child be inconsolable because <laughs> it's the only way they'll learn. But Rue feels responsible for the series of pathological lies that Tigger continues to tell himself and decides that he must make Tigger feel like he has a family. And he convinces everybody but Rabbit to get dressed up as Tigger's and pretend to be Tigger's family. Right. And Tigger is happy. Uh, and then Rue tries to make Tigger really happy by doing a very special bounce, but he doesn't do it perfectly, and Tigger re- discovers that it's Rue and the gang pretending to be Tigger's, and he feels hurt and betrayed because he's decided they've all played a joke on him. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, that is clearly not their intent. None of them are laughing at him. They are all there. They even say to him in that moment, well, Tigger, we wanted you to know that we're your family. And Tigger goes out into the blizzard to to try and find the other Tiggers who, again, do not exist. And even if they do exist, there is no reason to go out during this blizzard, Tigger. You haven't seen them ever. Wait, wait till spring, which is what Graydon said when he was watching this. Wait till spring. (laughs) Meanwhile, Rabbit is going out of his mind because no one is preparing for winter except him. And he's worried about them. And Rabbit is 100% right, but Tigger's problems have prevented everyone else in the Hundred Acre Wood from from dealing with their own problems because they're sorting out Tigger's stuff. And quite frankly, like I think come springtime, Rabbit is headed on a trajectory where he's like, all my friends didn't make it and it's all Tigger's fault. But we put that aside. (laughs) I mean, you're right. Tigger has sent by joining these, well, by by trying to console Tigger in his imaginary upset, right, and engaging that, these friends are on a fool's errand. There is no and, way that this, and you're right, that like as a parent, sometimes you just have to let people... I know, I know. Like, what do you do? And, <laughs> like, right? Well, and then, and then here's the worst part of all. Rue says we can't let Tigger die out in the cold looking for his non-existent family. Yes. We have to they rescue all him. Lied to him. <laughs> right. We have to go rescue him. Mm-hmm. And Pooh says, You're right, we should. We need Rabbit to lead us there. <laughs> and because it is the nature of Rabbit to solve problems. They made the mess and here comes Rabbit and Rabbit has to uh, clean it up. And, you know, Rabbit's first thought is like, you know, Tigger wanted to leave. You know, you you guys just sometimes need to let Tigger do what Tigger does. But Gru starts to cry and Rabbit being a saint. A saint, I tell you, Andy. Saint Rabbit. (laughs) Sees Rue crying, sees how upset everybody else is, and heroically leads the exposition. Ex- expedition. They call it an exposition, but it's an expedition into okay. the cold, which he does not deserve to have to go into because he was the one preparing for it. But he leads them. Uh, so it's selfless. It is selfless. It, it is selfless. Um, 
it's just it's and I, just, I feel goes, like this I feel like this is this strikes that you're like this idea that it's unfair for Rabbit to make this choice. I think it's I, unfair for Pooh to put him in that position saying and not just taking on the responsibility for cleaning up their mess of lying. He's like, oh, we have to get Rabbit now. They're all useless, Andy, except for <laughs> Rabbit. And Rabbit knows that. Tigger has now caused all of his friends to go out into a blizzard on the worst day of the year, putting their lives in danger. They really have no way of finding him, and yet they do find him at a tree which he has decided is his family tree. They find him there. Andy, what would you say the climax of this movie is? Well, I think it's when Rue and Tigger save the day with the whoop-de-dooper, loop-de-looper, alley-ooper bounce, right? Rue saves one... the day yes. after Tigger has repeatedly put his friend's life in danger. Mm-hmm. Tigger causes an avalanche. Mm-hmm. I'm I, I, because because at, when Rabbit just says to Rabbit says Tigger, enough is enough. Let's stop mm-hmm. this nonsense and go inside. Tigger, having gotten several clues that an avalanche is about to happen, screams, no, I'm going to wait here for my family, causing the avalanche. And yes, he rescues them from the avalanche that he himself caused. Right. I am with you. There's some redemption in that. But he does also force his friends to watch what looks to be Tigger's death by avalanche and forces a small child kangaroo to heroics that... Frankly, if Kanga were there, she would have stopped him. Oh, she would have, yeah. No question. That's why Kanga's not there. Rue rescues Tigger, and then Tigger rescues Rue. Mm-hmm. And what, what infuriates me, Andy, is everyone says, hooray for Tigger. What a hero. <laughs> well, they're all relieved that they're off the hook for lying. I mean, they're all so culpable, right? I think when they wrote the letter, they became culpable in this fantasy. I I don't. That it, they are not responsible for the fact that Tigger lies to himself. Tigger would look at a ladybug and say, that ladybug belongs to Mama Tigger. He just makes stuff up. Right. Like at a certain point, like, you know, like I could look at a piece of art and I could I could feel whatever it is that I feel. But if it's not the intent of the artist, some of that's on me. Well, we uh, can talk. We can well, let's talk about that when we get to Tigger. I, I yeah, mean, yeah, I yeah. Think, okay. I think the other thing that happens here is the um, you asked about climaxes, and the other thing that happens here is an emotional climax when Christopher Robin comes along, and the friends let him, and he basically gives an overview of and tells us everything that we've already known. But now Tigger finds out that the letter was indeed from the friend. And I think the emotional climax comes a little bit later because it's not this movie is not about Christopher Robin. Uh, He's in it, but it's not about him. It really lives and dies by the Tigger-Rue relationship, I think. And for Uh, me, the the emotional climax happens what we would traditionally call the falling action. Tigger is now repairing all of the damage he's caused. He's made Eeyore's a house. He's given presents to everyone. But he hasn't given a present to Rue. And he gives Rue a locket. Mm -hmm. And he he says to Rue, you get the best present of all because you're my little brother. Which is sweet. (sighs) And that, that, no, 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 I'm with you, Andy. That is the best (laughs) moment of the movie. That's good. Where Tigger finally really sees Rue. 
um, and accepts and accepts that you know, like there, he's never been alone. There's nope. always been this person who wants to share share these things with him. That's right. Um, so, so I w- I would go with all of that and um, falling action. We see that you know Tigger has accepted his found family, mm-hmm. and it looks like things have been repaired among all of them. He even promises Rabbit that um, that he will stop bouncing Rabbit, which is a lie, Andy. He will never <laughs> stop bouncing Rabbit. I mean, oh. I mean, Rabbit, ra- everybody else gets a present and Rabbit gets a promise that is probably broken an hour later. But right. okay. But in that moment, it is heartfelt. <laughs> and what we learn, Rabbit, is that no good deed goes unpunished. That's right. Yes, and a valuable lesson for children. And I think <laughs> I think that is the plot of this. I think you're right. I I'll, I'll yes, you're right. Well, let's dig into the characters a little bit. We've got Sure. Um I, one thing I want to say about the narrator, we we hear the narrator first and um the narrator really helps and you said you said this earlier that he really helps Tigger break the fourth wall, right? He engages yes. Tigger and asks questions, and he's sort of the straight man to Tigger's off-the-wall character. So I wanted to sort of acknowledge that, that he's he's playing along as well. I, I do say one of the things I love about the Winnie the Pooh movies is how much the narrator loves his characters. Yes. Right? He He is affectionate towards all of them. He is loving and understanding towards Tigger and Pooh. And and uh, equally, I'm I mean, look, he's not in the story. But I do think it's important. Your narrator has to care about the story he's telling. And I I give this a plus narration. Yes. I will say the narrator is suffering from the fact that this story is not in the Winnie the Pooh book. Yes. Agreed. Um, and and he had better material in the previous Pooh movie <laughs> than he had in this one. Yes, but true. You wouldn't know it from him. He no. he believes the story he's telling is equally as important as the stories he's already told. Correct. All right, Tigger, voiced by Jim Cummings, as we talked about before. Um, you go first on Tigger. I will. I think everyone key, knows how I feel. I think the key to understanding Tigger is understand if you look if you draw the analogy between Tigger and maybe a child at placement who's been unattached. I think that and makes decisions and has magical thinking and fanciful thinking and lies a lot and creates um beliefs, has false beliefs about who loves him and who doesn't and the the un- the subtext of that is so great because I think it's this want and need that Tigger has to belong and to have someone who looks like him, which is a huge want and need for kids in placement. So I think that's a um, I think that's something that I think again and again it's hard for me to be objective, but I think Tigger does a great. They do a great job in this movie of creating this character who is loved, who who is annoying, who then becomes loved for who he is, 
And then he gets an opportunity to put energy, you know, he's stripped all the energy out of the hundred acre wood. And at the end, he gets the opportunity to put energy back into the hundred acre wood and into his friends. And I think it's, I think it's really, I think his arc's really lovely. Um, so for me, I, I think the thing, oh, so, so look, I find Tigger problematic here, but I, this is going to be so hard, Andy, what I'm about to say. Okay. The thing that we know about Tigger from the indivi- original movie is he's always felt that the most wonderful thing about him was that there was no one like him. Right. It was the defining characteristic of who he was. He sings a song about it, and we all know the world words to that song. It is arguably one of the best songs in the well, original Winnie the it's Pooh. A song, it's a song that he starts out with here, right? That he's yeah. the only one, and but being the only one, he needs someone like him too. There, but, there is this need for attachment that he doesn't really have. He acts like he's sort of aloof and you know, doesn't really need anybody. But then when it comes right down to it, he needs people. And that's different for Tigger. But here is, here is my point. This movie is asking us to accept what if this character didn't have the thing that defines them the most, right? Like the thing that makes Tigger Tigger is he's happy to be the only one. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's like saying to me, what if Winnie the Pooh wasn't hungry anymore? What if what if um, what if Rabbit was chill? What if Owl was wise? What if they actually were like not themselves? So here's what yeah. I want to throw out to you. The okay. thing there are two things that I would want to see Tigger confront in this movie, and he confronts neither of them. And the first thing that I need him to confront is the fact that. The way that he acts out has caused harm to other people in the 100-acre wood. Yes, yeah. He needs to take responsibility for what he did to Eeyore's house, to what he did to Piglet's chair, and he kind of does, but I don't ever... You don't think he does it at the end? At the very end, he gives them gifts, but it happens... But he replaces the house. He He replaces the house. He replaces... I mean, he does it because he realizes who, where his family is. And he, that they are his family and that and that he, uh, you know, family helps family and that he has some work to do. He does it. But I don't ever see the moment where there, there needs to be a larger moment, just just a little bit more of a moment where he where he grapples with the fact that his friends were in danger because of him. Mm. Okay. And I don't re- that Rue had to rescue him, but that now he like like he's done them harm. And I think part of what makes you a better Tigger is realizing that you can't be that selfish and self-absorbed. Right. So that's number one. But number two, he needs to also see how hard it is to be around another Tigger. And that's what I really want to see in this movie. What if there was a second Tigger? What if Christopher Robin responded to Tigger's need for another Tigger and created another Tigger? And everything that Tigger does to other people, that Tigger does to him. That Tigger um, bounces him and Tigger doesn't like it. That Tigger barges into his house and destroys his things. And Tigger can be confronted with just how, just like 
there's there's such a thing as too much of a good thing. I'm already too much of a good thing. And he doesn't really deal with the real parts of of his struggle. He deals he deals with the ex and look, I get it. It's a movie for six year olds. I get it. But Andy, wouldn't you be excited to to meet Tigger too? Oh yeah. I mean, even if he looked in the mirror or did something goofy and saw himself doing the things that he does, yes. Flash, I just realized where this is coming from. So there is a great animated series, listener. It's a Disney animated series. It's available on Disney Plus, where Tigger sees that Eeyore is depressed all the time and teaches Eeyore how to be a Tigger and actually names him Tigger, too, and then suddenly realizes how hard it is to be that. They did it. New Adventures of Winnie the Pooh is fantastic. And that episode is fantastic. Um. So I just want to plug it. I just yeah. want to plug it for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you can actually see the movie I just posited. So sh- maybe I should shut up a little bit about Tigger. They've done it. They've yeah. done it. I I, I think um, Tigger, when he says there's nothing better than the best, that when he realizes in that moment, like that, the reality, like what I hear him saying is the reality that I have is better than the fantasy I don't have. Right. Right. And I think that's a really powerful moment for him. It's so powerful that it helps him make the repairs that he needs to needs needs to make. And again, if you're watching this, if you happen to be like an adoptive parent or a foster parent and you're you've had a baby for a really long time and they, they, they're just bouncing along thinking everything's great. And all of a sudden they have this awareness that, oh my goodness, the people around me look different. And it's right around kindergarten for four years old, five years old. I, there's this awareness that, oh my gosh, people look different than me. And oh, I need somebody that looks, has skin on like mine. And oh, sure. wait a minute. And you have brown hair and I have blonde hair. And what is going on here? You know, like there is this, uh, acknowledgement of same and different. And I think Tigger has this, like I said, this dark night of the soul where he's like, I don't really belong to anybody because that's the the belief, right? You belong to you and you belong to you and you all belong here and you're not, nobody else seems upset about this, but me, I must be doing this all by myself. Okay. And so the conclude, I mean, that's just sort of a, and again, I, I told you, I can't be objective. It's just it's just how it is. But like, you know, I guess. We Andy, I am not the person who's ever going to say you're wrong to feel how you feel. No, that I is know. not me. That is not me. And it's not really like that's the thing. It's hard for me to see this objectively because of that lens. It just is. Sure. It just like feels like, oh, whoever wrote this got that. You know, okay. like I, I, it feels that way. I can understand how it would not translate to the larger, a larger population. <laughs> Wouldn't it be so much fun though, Andy, that it, that if a thousand tiggers suddenly descended on the hundred acre woods, oh my gosh. It was chaos. Yeah. That's a that better be movie awesome. than this is. Yeah. It just is. And we, they just have to get well, rid of I all really, the other tiggers. I kind of thought maybe he was going to see somebody or he yeah. was going to talk to somebody or see a snowbank in the shape of a tigger or something was going to happen and he was going to interface with it and it wasn't, it was just going to be wooden and it wasn't going to be good. Like that would have been, but that would have been a bigger heartbreak. I think, I don't know that the kids are ready for that. Who knows? All right, let's move on to Winnie the Pooh. 
He doesn't really okay. do much. He doesn't do much in this movie except eat honey and have a wonderful. Well, he does have the wonderful bit uh, with Pooh's lullaby, which is very funny. But it doesn't seem to fit the movie. No, it doesn't fit the movie. It's a complete digression. Winnie the Pooh is so depressed in this movie. I I, I don't know what to, to his energy is not there. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe he's supposed to go into hibernation for the winter, and that's the problem, ah, right? That, there's that, some there's some biology there. In fact, now that I'm thinking about it, that would have been like a perfect subplot: is that like Pooh is getting ready to hibernate, but like got to stay up because Tigger's causing more problems and right. and what have you. Right. Um. But but he just see he's not himself. You know what he doesn't do? He doesn't giggle. Pooh has this distinctive. little dig like something just amuses him and crosses him out this poo is all oh bother all the time but he doesn't he doesn't get his little moments of sparked joy Mm -hmm. in this movie he was a bummer to be around agree and it doesn't seem to me that well there's this one scene where i was it's where ticker bounces into his house and upsets all the honey pots Uh, And he's kind of cranky and he says, you know, I have to count these honeypots or whatever. When does Pooh ever need to do that? No, and he doesn't. And he and and so Tigger leaves the house. And what does Pooh do? Like he eats the honey that's there. So he has no I mean, he it's like he just wants Tigger to go away. And he doesn't want to, you know, I mean, well, and somebody just upset all your honeypots and we have to prepare for winter because Rabbit said so. Right. I mean, Rabbit's not wrong. You have to prepare for winter. <laughs> right. They're animals, Andy. <laughs> They're plush animals. But yes, agree. 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 All right. Do you want to go to Rue? Let's go to Rue. Um, well, uh, yeah. I think Rue is the heartbeat of this movie. Agreed. Okay. I, I think I think what we see with this movie is a transition being happening that's going to play out over the course of Lord help me, the many following uh, straight-to-DVD Winnie the Pooh movies that are going to come out over the next several years, which is the idea that an entryway to the Pooh universe is to see it through Rue's eyes. Mm-hmm. That kids will find Rue to be their surrogate and maybe their voice mm-hmm. in the Pooh movies. Yes. I, I, I don't know that the Pooh universe needs it, but Rue certainly serves that function here. At, Rue is smarter than all of the other characters in this movie. He's engaged in a, in another level. He's asking the questions. Um, he's he's they're they're doing something with him. They yeah. see something in him that needs to be developed for this for this franchise to go f- to go further. And uh, I mean, it it the journey maybe begins here. Rue is like a really young therapist to the rest of these folks. Which is kind of how little kids see the Winnie the Pooh characters. The joy of reading Winnie the Pooh to kids is having them go, oh, Tigger's so silly. Oh, Pooh. Well, (laughs) that Pooh Bear thinks he can get honey by by using a balloon and saying he's a storm cloud. Right? (laughs) Right. Um, There's something to it. There's something mm-hmm. to it. I don't think they quite achieve it here, mm-hmm. but, but but I think it's interesting. I liked him. Yeah. And he's kind of a non-entity in the first movie. I mean, he's yes. there a little bit. 
but he is definitely like not a list Winnie the Pooh character. And I think I think here they're trying to make him a list, and I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, and and Rabbit takes a more of a backseat really in this movie. I Which mean, is, he has I think things this movie's has, biggest things, flaw. Yeah, he has things to do, but again, yeah, Rabbit is really. Let's talk about Rabbit for a little bit. Rabbit is really Tigger's nemesis or has been right with the yes you're no more bouncing you're not ever allowed to do that ever again and um so so if you want if you want tigger to feel lonely i just think rabbit is the one to which to to you to use to do it look i've been calling him saint rabbit and i have a lot of affection for him and i think i've never met another person who has affection for rabbit i don't maybe that's part of the appeal for me i collect these characters that nobody else likes but who i think are right but but like the obvious thing to do in this movie is to tell is for rabbit to have enough of tigger and to really lay into him to the part where tigger feels alone mhm and then of course we you, you you hang it on Tigger and Rabbit, and but, but then we also need to learn that Rabbit really does love Tigger and misses Tigger when Tigger's not a, I mean, that's the din- dynamic between... They are, well, they are the a, odd couple. They're well, Felix and, and Oscar. That's the who they pro- are. The problem with that is that that movie... Ha- okay, so if you look at it chronologically, that movie just was made because that same thing happens, that same dynamic happens when Rabbit tells Tigger not to bounce, right? Yeah. And Rabbit and Tigger clearly did not, you know, learn a thing from that. And he is back and it's his movie and he's going to be the star and all these things are going to happen. And yeah. So. Well, but Andy, I don't even know when the Tigger movie is set. It might be set in the middle of the first movie because Owl is back in the the Owl house and Piglet is back in Piglet's house. Yeah. Um, And and there's no explanation oh, for that. Good this point. might this might happen. This might be a midquel in the middle mm. of the Winnie the Pooh movie before before Tigger and Rue bounce themselves up the tree. This yes. might be how that friendship got started. It might it might take place in the sweet spot between Tigger coming to the Hundred Acre Wood, um, Tigger getting yeah. lost by Rabbit and everybody, or Rabbit trying to lose Tigger in the wood, but before he goes bouncing with Rue. It might take that is crazy that I'm even trying to place this historically. What am I doing? <laughs> what am, I guys, you can't see it. I have a whiteboard behind me where I'm chronologically trying to put all of the poo movies into a sequence. Then then what I'm gonna do, guys, is I'm gonna cut them all together into a 15-hour Winnie the Pooh movie <laughs> and insist that we all watch it that way for the rest of our lives. This is my yeah. slow descent into madness. What am I even doing? We need to You're being rabbit is what you're doing. I am being rabbit. <laughs> rabbit is a saint. That is exactly how rabbit would approach trying Absolutely. to understand the Winnie the Pooh movies. Yes. And we I've learned something about myself, Andy. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Piglet. Uh John Fiedler. My he's absolutely the best. It's so you can hear his voice aging in this, but Yes. But, I, and I was gonna say, I was gonna say they recast everybody else. And look, how do you tell someone you can't voice Piglet anymore? But they had that conversation with Tigger, and I right. think they probably should have had that conversation with Piglet too. Piglet does sound old. Yeah, yeah, but he's a sweetie. Um, he's a sweetie. And I think I think that's Piglet's sort of 
you know, Piglet's anxiety always builds the the scene. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't really have a whole lot going in this movie. The 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 thing that I like is we know like Rabbit's uh boulder moving contraption isn't going to work because Rabbit barks out, you know, hold your own weight. <laughs> He's like, I don't weigh anything, right? <laughs> like yeah. apologetically. But like, so yeah, Piglet's Sweet Piglet woman. seems he seems to be the one who has some reservations about lying to Tigger in the letter. He's the one he kind of seems to have some concerns about that. Tigger forces them to lie to him because he will not accept the truth. It was not oh, okay. their first option. But I do want to say sweetest moment in this movie for me yes, when they yes. when they're doing the expotition to find Tigger is Rabbit sees Piglet is cold and takes off his sweater and puts it on on Piglet. It's a small little moment. If you blink, you might miss it. I I it 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 made my heart grow. That that was my favorite, one of my favorite moments in the movie, Andy. Saint Rabbit. <laughs> Saint Rabbit. <laughs> All right, Eeyore. Um not that think? I'm complaining. <laughs> oh, Eeyore. I think every every family has sidebar like every family has an Eeyore, possibly, very possibly, <laughs> um, and yet I I mean the thing about Eeyore is like Eeyore's advice to Tigger is to keep smiling. Mm-hmm. Um, Eeyore Eeyore, however depressed and what Eeyore's doesn't have a house, and yet uh, once again we see the heroism of Eeyore. Because mm-hmm. Eeyore doesn't have a house and winter is coming. And what is Eeyore concerned about? Tigger. Tigger's well-being. Tigger feels sad. Eeyore's house was destroyed by Tigger. But Eeyore is going to be there for Tigger because that's what's important to him. And I just find that lovely. Uh, it is sweet. E- Eeyore, they 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 never recognize the heroism of Eeyore, the, the quiet nobility uh, like he, like we do make the jokes about the fact that he complains, my house might be a little drafty, <laughs> right. uh, but, but I don't know that they ever hear him when he says it anyway. Uh, they, they, they really go for quick fixes with Eeyore and spend a lot more time working on the Tigger problem than the Eeyore problem. Yeah, it's a Tigger movie. Maybe Eeyore needs a movie. Yeah, it's, it, that's going to be a depressing movie. <laughs> Tigger has the energy. Yes, for sure. For sure. All right. Owl. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, owl. When there's a real, when there's a, whenever there's a time to cause problems, owl's around. Whenever there's a real problem that needs to be solved, owl is nowhere. That's right. Who is the best person to try and find Tigger in the hundred acre wood? Owl. owl can fly and owl doesn't go rabbit well, has to do the work owl reminds me of the kid again adopted family but you you go to their house or you are in kindergarten and this kid says my family did this and my family does this and my here's my birth story and my mother is so great and then you get you know your kid going gee this sucks you know i mean like i has everything owl owl, or says he does owl's boastfulness 
an inability to like read the um the wants of other people. I mean, they come to him for advice and he doesn't give them advice. He just brags to them. Andy, they come to him for a father. Yes. They look to Owl as the paternal figure who will guide them and mentor them. But whenever they go to him, he just talks about himself and his family and Mm -hmm. does not see them. He doesn't. He Mm-mm. just doesn't. I even think I, I, it's a blink and you miss it line. After like, after like they've discovered like that they're all in the suits. Owl's like, it was kind of a joke. It's like, no, it wasn't Owl. You know, Owl's. Uh, I, right, I'm sorry, right. Andy. I hate him. I hate him so much. <laughs> well, he doesn't see. He doesn't see the others. That's for sure. I mean, that is really his big flaw is that he's sort of self-centered. He's beyond self-centered. We've talked about how Tigger's self-centered, but I think Owl's far beyond where Tigger Tigger is. Tigger's at least engaging with them in the present, even if Tigger doesn't always hear them. I do think Tigger, generally speaking, like wants to play with them and engage with them. Maybe, maybe in this movie he's just he wants them to do it all on his terms, and that's that's a problem. But but man, Owl 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 would talk to himself if they left the room. Well, you know? I mean, that's so my daughter had gave me this um theory that uh that each of the Winnie the Pooh characters exhibit a different kind of mental illness. And yes, I've heard this theory. You've, yes. heard, you've heard this theory. If that's true, Owl's the narcissist. He is. He loves to hear himself talk. He loves his own stories. And I think that's kind of his. And he wants he to be praised and he wants to be fawned upon. Lauded. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a fraud. He's he's a fraud. <laughs> he's a huckster. Okay. Uh, Kanga. I know you have some thoughts here about Kanga. Okay, well, number one, Kanga has always been and continues to be the most boring resident of the Hundred Acre Wood. <laughs> and I wish, I wish they, like, they let her do some fun things in this. They let her dress up as Tigger. But she she's just kind of there, even, even in the moments where she gets to join in the fun. And some real work needs to be done with Kanga. Mm-hmm. I, I continue. I felt it in the first movie. I feel it here. She needs to exist in a role other than being maternal. She needs to exist in this world without Rue. Um, and and that's that's what I have to say about Kanga. I do think, Andy, uh, when we talked about Winnie the Pooh in season one, mm-hmm. I gave a theory that Tigger is crushing on Kanga. Mm-hmm. You this are not wrong. Can... Yeah, Exactly. The way that he blushes when she calls him Tigger, dear. <laughs> she called me dear. Right. Exactly. And the fact that he calls her Miss Kangamam, that he asks her to go bouncing with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's almost like a date, right? It's almost like he's asking up for a date and she says no. And he, he is, he's so, cra- he can't hear Rue. He's, yeah, I agree. He's got the uh, hots for Kanga. Uh, and honestly, and honestly, you know, I go for it. Go for it. Kanga, well, look, open your heart up to love. <laughs> but Crazy. She can do better than Tigger. She can. Rabbit is right down the road. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. All right. Christopher Robin. 
does he do anything in this movie other than show up at the end? No, no. And um, yeah. And, and the, the truth of the matter is Christopher Robin remains a problem in the Winnie the Pooh movies. Mm-hmm. Um, because arguably he's the most important one. They're all there because of their love for him. Right. Uh, and the stories are, are really very rarely about him. They don't know what to do with him. He's He's got to show up sometime. But yeah, because if you have the stories where there are all these characters who are protagonists and then in the end of the third act, this um, hero swoops, superhero we've never seen before swoops in and saves the day. Um, hmm, that's not a great story. You can't have that. The protagonists need to solve their own problem and complete their own arc, right? So what's fun when you're telling a story to a child about how all of a sudden there was a little girl and she came to, the, you know, that kind of thing where you have a stream of consciousness moment with your kid and they're the ones in the third act who come in and save the day, right? By going to sleep usually. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that that works. But, you know, in a movie, that's that's a little tough. But but like, doesn't Tigger feel Christopher Robin is his family? I mean that. I mean that's the thing of it. That's the yeah. thing of it. He's adopted all of them. Mm-hmm. They're his family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just feel like, what if Tigger instead of going to Owl went to Christopher Robin and said, "I wish there were more Tiggers," and then Christopher Robin brought more Tiggers to the wood. Right? Like, like get him involved in the story centrally, like trying to solve the problems. And then there's the question of what to do with these other Tiggers. And maybe there's other woods that need a Tigger in it. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Some. Yeah. Yep. There are flaws, but this is still one of my favorites. So. Okay. <laughs> um, so the music, which I like and you don't, uh, the Sherman Brothers do, of course, the wonderful thing about Tiggers. Uh, the someone Great like song. The Someone Like Me song, which I think is a great song that suffers from performance. They all suffer from performance. I think so, too. Um, and I think, like, the whoop de dooper bounce is something that we have sung in this house for a very long time. And so, um, you know. My issue with the music isn't the songs, although I will say mm-hmm. none of them hold up to the to the level of the music of the original Winnie the Pooh movie. No. Right. No. My tr- my trouble is this is this is the Iago from Aladdin 2 of it all, Andy. Tigger sings four songs in this movie. Four. Yeah. Well, that I is mean, more songs than Aladdin sings in Aladdin. Yeah. More than Ariel sings in The Little Mermaid. More than Simba sings in The Lion King. And they all have amazing voices. Why do I have to listen to Tigger sing four songs? Well, in the original Winnie the Pooh movie, Tigger has one song and it's great. Winnie the Pooh has, I think, one or two songs. And then there are other songs which are non-diegetic, like Heffalumps and Woozles or mm-hmm. the Rain, uh, Rain, Rain, Rain Came Down, Down, Down songs, which is sung by actual people with voices mm-hmm. that we would want to listen to. Yeah, I mean, so let me think here for just a second. I'm think I'll out, tell I'll you a story while you gather. Okay. When I was a kid, I had a record. It was a Disney record, and I played it all the time, and it was called Donald Duck's Birthday. Have I told this story on this podcast before? I do not think so. Okay, on Donald Duck's Birthday, everybody's come to Donald Duck's Birthday, and they all want to sing songs to him, but Donald Duck really wants to sing. 
And every time he's about to sing, one uh, Mickey or Chippendale or Uncle Scrooge will say, no, Donald, it's not your turn to sing yet. Uh, right now, Chippendale want to sing a song to you. Goofy wants to sing a song to you or what have you. And it goes on like that. And at the very end of the party, you know, I, you know, Donald gets to sing for a little bit and as a but but like like two seconds and then it's over. And as a kid, I was always very mad for Donald. It's his birthday. Let him sing. But my gosh, Andy, I didn't know. Like, what's the alternative? Am I going to listen to a two hour record full of Donald Duck singing? <laughs> Is that really what I want? And in a way, uh, gotcha. yeah, and in a way. The Tigger movie reminds me, you don't want too much of that. Yeah. A little bit of that is fine. A lot of that is just unbearable. And by the time, by the time I got to Whoop-dee-dooper bounce and we're on song number three, I was like, oh boy. And then we get to round my family tree and I'm just like, I can't anymore. I well, let me let me ask you a question. Like taking that, would you say it's because this movie really isn't a musical? Would you say it's, it's not, not a musical? musical? Well, so so let's talk about some some things that like a musical would do. Uh, musicals are about revealing secrets. And Winnie mm -hmm. the Pooh characters don't have that money secrets. Tigger feels lonely, and then he sings a song in which he reveals he's lonely. Tigger mm -hmm. says he wants to have a family, and then he sings a song about having a dad and a mom and an uncle and a cousin. But he doesn't actually go deeper into that. We don't see, like, there are ways of doing a song where you're actually revealing things about the character. And yeah. so, so we get the, so let's take a look at Round My Family Tree where we get okay. some great visuals in that song, right? Yes. Like the song is really helped out by the fact that we see a million Tiggers. You know what we don't see? We don't see Tigger with a little sister Tigger, like holding hands with her. We don't see Tigger with a Tigger's mom when the mom is hugging him. We see them all bouncing around, but the reveal needs to be not how great it would be to have a million Tiggers. Tigger needs to, in that song, talk about how he wants to be loved. Yeah. With a mother's love, with a brother's love, with sister's love. And it needs to be about the emotional stakes of it rather than the external trappings. And his songs are all external trappings. A song where, and then you've got someone like me where he says, I'm the onlyest one, I'm the loneliest one. You have to build to a reveal somewhere in that song if you want pathos. It would be better if he was singing the wonderful things about Tigger. And then midway through the song, he starts singing new verses oh. about, you know, the wonderful thing about Tigger is Tiggers don't ever get hugs. And, you know, like the wonderful yeah. thing about, you know, there's no one to, there's no one to kiss you. There's no one to, I'm making, there's no one to miss you. Um, right, uh, right. The, all that you need is some shrugs. And like, like he's singing it happy and slowly over the course of the happy happiness, he realizes what he's saying and it shifts. To actually, what he's act he thought he was singing about how happy he was to be alone, and what he reveals is he's miserable. Well, I think that pathos is really important. Like, like you said, like if if it's not, I, I, I'm coming around to your way of thinking. I see what you're saying, and I think I think this is a movie that could be better. It could be better. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so 
let's get to this next point here because I want to talk about it. You you had a question for me. So I do have a question for you. Uh, and 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 maybe it ties into what you were just saying, but this is a solo character, right? A solo protagonist, and he's having a dark night of the soul. And he spends a lot of that time alone when he's having that dark night where he's not with other people, where he's not with other characters. Like, how do you go about writing a character's dark night when they're they're by themselves? I mean, he talks to himself some, right? He sings to himself some. Um, what what do we do? All right. So here's what here's what I would reframe here. And I think part of the reason that this is a miss is almost all of the characters, with the exception of Kanga and Rue, live alone and are solo. And so when we see Tigger like being I'm lonely, it's it's like, well, everybody lives by themselves. But what if we were at a point? So I want you to imagine for a moment that this movie, the, the inciting incident is Tigger is at Kanga and Rue's house and they're having a good time. And Kanga says to Tigger, it's time to go home. It's Rue's bedtime. I have to tuck him in. And Rue says, can't Tigger stay home? And Kanga says, well, Tigger's got to get to his home. And this is our home. And, you know, like, and she she puts Rue to bed. And we see Tigger watching from outside the window as Kanga puts Rue to bed and hugs Rue and kisses Rue goodnight. Or, and, and, and like, it sparks something in him, mm-hmm. something real. It it this movie does so much of him talking himself into feeling lonely. Mm-hmm. But there's something to be said for us watching emotively the moment in quiet, and I think that's that's really the problem with Tigger. Is Tigger Tigger always loudly declaims whatever it is that he's feeling. But with a solo character, if if you don't have someone to talk to, it all has to show on the face. Yeah. Right? And, right. and they've done this, they've done this way back with Dumbo. They did this, like we talked about how the Dumbo has such a rich inner emotional life without ever uttering a word. Right. And of course, T- Tigger's a loudmouth. Tigger Tigger talks all the time. Well, but he's the antagonist. He's the antagonist, right? And so we've seen him as the antagonist for so long that when he makes that shift, he's got to, you know. And then, and then what if Pooh and Piglet are living together, like at the end of the Winnie mm. the Pooh that we were promised? And he sees that the two of them are together, and it's got good night, Piglet, good night, Pooh, and they've got their separate beds, and they have their own little ritual. And Rabbit has his friends and relations, and Owl is up for a midnight, like, is going flying, um, and Eeyore would rather. It's it's just it's just it's just. There's a way of getting him to where he needs to be for this movie, the mm-hmm. need for other Tiggers, uh, that is real, as opposed to Tigger decides that he's lonely. That's what it, he talks himself into being depressed in this movie. So he if to- he sees if he sees something and it's more of a catalyst and it's more of a and then we watch the scene with him from his point of view. Yes. Then we start to get his. Take Put on him it. on the outside a little bit, seeing other people have something yeah. that he doesn't really have. Yeah. We see Rabbit building the house for Eeyore, um, and like, and Tigger's not allowed to be there because Tigger will just knock it down, 
right? right? Everybody's having these little quiet moments of expressing love, and Tigger doesn't know how to get it or ask for it or have it. And 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 it needs to show on his face. Because here's the other thing about Tigger. Tigger's always aware he has an audience. But who is Tigger when no one's watching Tigger? That's right. when he's real. Right. That's when so, so much of it has to be a show. He's not seeking his truth. He's no. constructing fantasies. Right. That he then, I mean, let's not even forget, no one in the Hundred Acre Wood was scared of heffalumps and oozles until Tigger made them up. And ever since, they've all believed in it. That's that's the <laughs> that's the Tigger dynamic, right? Right. Which is great for an antagonist, right? Right. But for a protagonist, protagonist it needs to grapple deal. with their truth mm-hmm. and not with their fantasies. Mm. So so good. Thank you. I think we. Oh, my I think, pleasure. I think we met in the middle. All right. Okay. What movie? What movie are we tackling next week? Well, um, so next week. Uh, we are tackling Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, which should be wait. a fun time, I think. I, think I remember so. that movie fondly. I have not seen it in a while. I suspect the special effects may not hold up by conventional standards, but neither did the Shaggy Dog, and I still enjoyed those. So I think we'll have a good time. That's right. So just check your FX brain at the door. Well, friends, if you like what you're hearing, will you do us a favor and share this podcast with another Disney or classic movie fan? And please, please, please check out our Once Upon a Disney Facebook page. Uh, We put content there a lot. Uh, Tweet us at at Andy Redwine or at Larry Brenner 6 or drop us a line in our mailbag at onceuponadisneypodcast at gmail.com. So until next time, friends, TTFN. Ta-ta for now. (laughs) Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo! <laughs>